Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I grew up seeing things a little differently. Appearing, disappearing, hardly innocent, nor tied down to the ground. I learned to roll and tumble with the punches, glory in my stripes and spots, walk by invisible and never make a sound. But heavy is the crown that's always hidden. Tender is the heart you never see. Hard and fast shines the grin that we flash, but there's a vulnerable stripe or two on me. Maybe any place outside of Wonderland is not for me, my friend. If I leave my grin behind, remind me that we're all mad here and it's okay. Sun up, sun down, the shadows hide me down in Wonderland. Wonderland, nobody knows the way, but if you find it in your dreams, you can find it at your day job somewhere south of hell. Take the path to left or right with just your gut to guide you. The story is not for anyone else to tell. Go down the to see and hear everybody loud and clear but the truth comes down in riddles that are safe enough to share that's how it is in songs you see and stripes always look good on me whether or not i'm really there heavy is the burden of the wise ones when no one understands a word they say the jabberwock never bothered anyone but nobody believes him to this day We're all mad here, and it's okay. Sun up, sun down, the shadows find me out in Wonderland, Wonderland. Nobody knows the way, but if you find it in your dreams, you can find it at your day job somewhere south of hell. Take the path to left or right with just a gut to guide you. The story is not for anyone else to Cards, what have we learned? The world is never as mad as it could be. 
remind me that we're all mad here and it's okay. If I leave my grin behind, remind me that we're all mad here and it's okay. If I leave my grin behind, remind me that we're all mad here and it's I mean, how can you go wrong with S.J. Tucker? Cheshire Kitten, we're all mad here, and it's okay. I think that's a, a pretty good uh, <laughs> a pretty good song for, for zebras, uh, people with Ellers families. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pamit. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pamit. Hi, Pamit. Um, thank you. I, I have recently started a, this new podcast, uh, this network starting to grow, uh, we have shows uh, weekly with uh, Jason Mankey from Patheos Pagan and Lou Ellen Books. Uh, his is Whiskey, Wit, and Witchcraft, I think. A Witch's Whiskey and Wit, uh, something like Good that. Job. You'll get one of all three of those in the group in, in one of his shows. And uh, my first announcement, Jason might have done it last night, The Witches Next Door from the Patheos blog um, will be joining the family, too. Uh, this coming week with uh, Witches Next Door podcast. Cool. And maybe I can get Gabriella nice. or Hannah in the future if they're interested. Um, but I, <laughs> um, the Witching Hour spellcast is, is um, that's what we're here for, for different, we're, we're here to be a platform for a lot of different voices for people who are of the magical type. Um, it's witching hour, but you can be a druid, you can be a Wiccan, you can be a heathen, whatever you call yourself. Um, we have many different paths. We make our own paths. We make our own time. And this is hopefully to help people um, with anything from let's talk about spells, let's talk about really in-depth practice stuff, or let's just talk about our lives. And I think it's really important to not separate our practice from who we are. And when you have Ellers Danlos, Sailors, mm-hmm. I'm going to say Ellers, Ailers, people pronounce it both ways. Um, when you have Ailers Danlos syndrome, you can't separate that from anything. Uh, this month is May, and it's Ailers Danlos Awareness Month. And I figured this would be a good show for for, for me to, to get going. Um, I will, I'll go ahead and let let uh hannah give a little bit okay i'm trying to figure out how best to do this ehlers danlos is a, a, a heritable tissue disorder genetic it's um it there's many different types of ehlers danlos the most the most uh common type is used to be called uh number three it's now hypermobile Hypermobile Ehlers Danlos Syndrome. Um, we're bendy. We, but not all, not all forms of Ehlers Danlos is bendy. But we're, we're the people who, when I was a kid, I used to put my my ankle, my heel behind my ear. <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, we we we're bendy, and we not all of us. 
Some of us have stretchy skin. When you see the picture of the people from from the that do the the tricks with their stretching their skin, that's a type of alo stemless. Um, and again, I I'm that's, hypermobile. That's classic. That's type one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's there's a I'm lot of different types. I'm hypermobile as well. So, mm-hmm. Um, Gabriella, you have you have more to yours. You're not yeah. just a, a hypermobile. Um, but Hannah, do you mind explaining your as much as you want to to let people know about your diagnosis and and how Ellis Chandler's impacts yeah. you? Um, so uh, I was one of those kids in elementary school and middle school that we affectionately referred to as having hu- stupid human tricks of being able to bend yeah. your fingers in funny ways and make funny hand puppets and pop your knees backwards and, hey, look, my knees bent the wrong way. Um, and I did gymnastics. I did contortionism. I did ballet. Mm-hmm. I did all these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the piper came calling when I was about mm-hmm. 16, and I both of my knees hyperextended to the point where mm-hmm. I really damaged um, the joints themselves and ended up having my first knee surgery at age 17. Um, it took another, and for the longest time, they're just like, oh, you're hypermobile. And then as I got older and developed more issues, it became apparent that they're like, oh, there's something underlying going on. You're not just bendy. And I'm going to unplug my headset so, and try and get rid of so the let me- echo. When we're talking about the bendy, um, the there was what hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos is. There's also um, hypermobile spectrum disorder, um, which is which is my quote unquote official diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. What what happened is what what was considered hypermobile or, or Ehlers-Danlos was considered very rare. Um, and it had very specific um, diag- uh, very specific criteria for diagnosis. When mm-hmm. researchers started realizing that maybe there's more to this picture, um, because we have also these these other issues that seem unrelated, um, like what some people call POTS, and it's dysautonomia is the big umbrella. POTS is a type of dysautonomia. Um, what that means is our heart rates go woo. Uh, one way that my my uh, uh, when I was pregnant with one of my children, the the doctor told me you have dysautonomia, and I looked at her like, oh. And she says, okay, imagine how when people go on a roller coaster and their heart rate goes all over the place, yours does that naturally. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, lovely. And things um, like. Pots, you end up with super low blood pressure, and because you yeah. of the the soft tissue doesn't hold its tension, so when your your veins don't hold the tension, so your blood pressure is super low, so you tend to do things like faint when you stand up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to say, "Ooh, this is cheaper than drugs." I, not that I right. do drugs, <laughs> but when you stand up and you're like, "Woo!" I don't have to drink tonight. Um, it's, it, but see, it's something that I've always dealt with that the doctors didn't know. I mean, the closest I got was a, a eustachian tube dysfunction. 
as a diagnosis, mm-hmm. which is you're dizzy. Um, I said it's, you know, I, I said uh, it's official. I'm on paperwork. I am, a, I am diagnosed as a dizzy bitch. Um, but that's one I of the it. things. Uh, <laughs> we, we have um, very strange, oh, my God, mast cell activation disorder. Um, uh-huh. I've been telling doctors, anytime they try to add a new, uh, a new medicine for me, I get this look of terror on my face mm-hmm. uh, because I never know how I'm going to react. And they say, oh, but there's, mm-hmm. don't worry. There's heart. This is really safe. You shouldn't Whatever. react to this. Um, shouldn't. Yeah, shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But we, we, mast cell is like allergies, but it's not allergies. Uh, mast cells are, are And you never know what's going to trigger it. Exactly. Each time. Each and, time. You, something yeah, can, that will trigger it one time will not trigger it the next time. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, weird immune responses to things. So not just allergies, but where did you get this infection from? We don't know where you got yeah. this infection from. This is a highly contagious infection. This tends to happen in populations. You're the only case in the tri-state area. Where have you been? Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, 10 miles from home? And they're like, that's not possible. I'm like, I, tell my body that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took probably the... 20 years to get diagnosed. I mean... I had my knee surgery when I was 17, and I didn't get an official EDS diagnosis until I was 34. And that's standard. That's standard. Um, well, mm-hmm. talking about the 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 the, the whole story of Ehlers-Danlos, um, 2017 is when they revised a lot of the diagnostic criteria, and that's mm-hmm. when they, as they were leading up to that that uh, uh, revision they realized that it was not rare, but it was underdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. And that's when they started mm-hmm. connecting, you know, I make jokes. And anytime I say connecting, when we're talking about people with Ellis Downloads, it's like, kind of like <laughs> connecting. Because it's our connected tissue <laughs> that's screwed up. Um, but all these weird things that we've been dealing with our entire lives, uh, like the weird, weird reactions you know allergic type reactions to things um and the the uh, the dizzy spells the issues with uh, your digesting digestive system um all these things that are unfortunately a lot of them don't show up on don't show up on the test that they like you to, to have to, to, mm-hmm. to say, yes, you have this. And mm-hmm. the issues that we have are um, they're, they're, they're cyclical. You know, one time you're, you're, you may be really bendy and then the next time not as bendy. Um, mm-hmm. There's so a lot of us have, issues with uh with a, a, an anxiety or or even ptsd with medical issues because we're we've been gaslit whether mm-hmm. intentionally or unintentionally uh when we kept going to doctors and saying there's something wrong 
No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's why a lot of people don't get a diagnosis until much later. Uh, I always got, it's just fibro. That's kind of a joke in my house. It's just yeah. fibro. Yeah. It's just fibro. <sighs> so, so go on, Hannah, a little bit more with you. I keep interrupting to put a little bit more information about the Ehlers-Danlos It's, Danlos it's in important. It's important um, and useful. It's a discussion we need to have. Uh, one of the reasons I got into spirituality and paganism and all of those things, other than the fact that, you know, I was the kid who saw ghosts was um, (laughs) as a teenager dealing with chronic pain um, and the medical profession really having nothing for me. Uh, And so having to turn to things like mindfulness meditation. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Um, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't know about what we're what we deal with uh, with Ellis families is is the constant pain, the chronic pain. Um, I love it when you go to the doctor and they say, you know, rate your your number. I'm like, you know, I give it four <laughs> stars. <laughs> I they they're like, are you in pain today? I'm like, is it a day that ends in Y? I'm always in pain. Um, it, uh-huh. it is constant, but, but there are, I, I have a good, um, I have good dialogues with my orthopedic, uh, PA where we talk about, you know, if I recently, okay, you guys are going to get this recently, <laughs> I hurt my knee and put it out, subluxed it, tripping over my cat. Yes. I didn't like trip. Uh-huh. My foot just, she just became this immovable object on the floor and basically sat on my foot mm-hmm. and moving forward. I mean, I didn't kick mm-hmm. her. She didn't move at all, but my knee went, ah, oh, right. screw you. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. See, and that's, let's, let's, let's talk about that term subluxation. That's the one thing I would, I would tell doctors all, all the time growing up that my, uh, my knee popped out, but I popped it back into place or my shoulder popped out, but Mm -hmm. I popped it back into place. And they'd look at me like, you can't do that. That does, you have to go. It's amazing what what you can practice. (laughs) But it. But it happens. I didn't know the the word subluxation. What they're talking about is a a total dislocation. You usually have to go to the doctor and get it reduced. But when you have subluxation, they're like little mini going out of joint and you just pop it back into place. Mm -hmm. Because if you can imagine like a, a, a puppet, like a marionette and or like a ball and socket thing and you're just you just go out of line a groove groove and mm-hmm. tongue thing and you just go out of line a little bit you pop it in but but saying all that i think it'd be good to go ahead and bring gabriella in to the conversation <laughs> here because man i <laughs> i'm gonna go I ahead know, and I'm let you to... talk about yourself I'm but i really want you to talk about your your shoulder and your surgery sure um, if that's well, okay with you. Of course. I mean, listen, here, you know the rule, Pammy, and basically no question is off limits if you're prepared for my answer. So, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Living as a witch, I've learned very early not to give a shit about how my truth is received. 
It's just I'm going to speak it no matter how uncomfortable it is for listeners because I'm really (laughs) not here. (laughs) I'm not here for it when it comes to, you know, enabling naivety about disease or enabling naivety, naivete about spirituality. And I was thinking about, you know, your terms of subluxation and dislocation and what the difference is. And it, and ironically, I feel like calling the solar Sabbaths, the greater Sabbaths, as was used to be done. And the lunar Sabbaths called the lesser Sabbaths. It's, it's almost the same disqualifying feeling of the lunar holidays compared to the solar holidays to call a self-reducing. Well, right. I mean, it feels like a condescension that subluxing is really not a big deal. Only the dislocations of major joints of major athletes really only qualifies as, mm-hmm. you know, something that's noteworthy. So it kind of, that terminology kind of frosts my ass and I don't use it um, because what we do being hypermobile and bendy is that we are fully dislocating our joints which we then immediately reduce we mm-hmm. are self-reducing yeah. you know what I'm saying so it's kind of like yeah. we know we're not going to be treated our bodies are going to do these weird things we're going to have to deal with it ourselves Then, I mean, if you add in, and my story is different than the two of yours, only because I was diagnosed at 11 years old in Springfield, Mass, because an orthopedist had been seeing my mother and following up on her multiple surgeries, um, because at this point now, she's had all of her major joints on the right side of her body, uh, surgical, Mm. as we say in my house. Um, and at 11, year, 11 years old in the early 80s, there was not a lot of attention paid to women's health issues. Orthopedically, they were called sports doctors. They were not called orthopedists. Mm-hmm. And so the focus, right. the focus was not on children. The focus was not on women. The focus was not on training education because as the three of us have seen, Ellers Danlos has gone through classification after reclassification after reclassification. So, you know, originally as a child, because they had not yet made the combination, we were diagnosed as having hypermobile Ellers Danlos. Now, when they finally realized that vascular symptomology um, was connected to certain types of hypermobile EDS, I realized that the type we actually had was vascular Ehlers-Danlos with hypermobile complications. And so if you did my genetic testing, you would see that my collagen defect is both collagen type 1 and collagen type 3. Um, so that means I've got two structural defects, whereas others of strictly one type of Ehlers-Danlos have a defect in the production of just one collagen type. So, and Hannah, to your point about um, being bendy-bendy, I've told people before that imagine my vascular system being overcooked penne pasta. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. it's really quite useless in terms of holding its tension, <laughs> you know, in terms of a higher blood pressure or a lower blood pressure. And so the cerebral and vascular events we were having, like easy bruising, um, you could see mm-hmm. our vein mapping underneath our skin, um, easy dislocation, prone to chronic migraines, um, all mm-hmm. kinds of um, orthostatic issues where, you know, we pass out upon standing or if we stand too long, we start wobbling. So it went from something in my teenage years, like the most of our activities, and Hannah agrees, and you were doing party tricks too, Pammy, but we we thought it was funny because we weren't yet paying the pain price for now. Currently. Right, right. But I keep trying to tell my and, kids, you know, well, they, go they, ahead. Well, and only, only time will teach them. But when you're a teenager with Ehlers-Danlos and you're female and it's the early 80s, no one's going to see you. You are invisible and powerless. Ergo, witchcraft, where mm-hmm. we can reclaim some self-determinism about what is happening to us. And if we can't vocalize and be heard, can we do magic about it and process our rage that way so we can make effective change in our lives? Because how do you make a tiny, you know, female child with bizarre disease symptoms visible? We're not. It's, was a novelty then, and like you said, Pammy, it was widely circulated as a rare disease when what was rare was finding a doctor that was trained in connective tissue disorders and mm-hmm. could see the, you know, the links between the different symptomology and having this global manifestation in the body and not just a local, you just fell down and twisted your knee, put some ice on it, you'll be fine. Well, that's what, as I was going through the rheumatology stuff to figure out if I had something other than just fibro, Mm -hmm. um, they, they of course, couldn't find anything really definite rheumatologically wrong with me. But every time I tried to tell them, every time I tried to tell them that when my my pain symptoms are worse, I would tell them, Mm -hmm. first of all, I know I'm about ready to have a, 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 a flare because I'll start getting muscle cramps and yes. and then my joints will go out of, out of place. My joints will pop out and they'll pop back in. And right. mm-hmm. I also have issues with, I have diverticulitis, which I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, diverticulitis has been made worse because of the Ehlers-Danlos. Um, I mean, it's its well, own it's thing, all but the, all the organ prolapse is related to, a structural, a, a failure of structural integrity. So inflammation right. in areas of misplaced or like, you know, I call them Tetris organs because if you remove a couple, <laughs> then they, yeah. there's no structure to keep them up in their place. So they all crowd down and then you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, so let's invite inflammation to that story. And it's just a freak show. But when I'm trying to tell the doctors that the, this is all connected, they would just look at me like, yeah, no, it's not, and it's just your imagination. Um, it course. wasn't 
until I was talking to one of my uh, friends who had commiserated with me when I would, would uh, put Spoonie stuff up and I'll explain Spoonie stuff in a second. But whenever I'd put Spoonie stuff up, um, she would say, yes, I'm dealing with this, with something too. And I asked her one day, uh, and you guys might get a kick out of this. Um, I asked her one day about what she was, what she, her diagnosis was. And then I started looking mm-hmm. into it. I have a friend who has mastocytosis, which is a mast cell mm-hmm. disorder, which is bad, which is close, akin to leukemia. Uh, she has to take um, chemo-type drugs for the mastocytosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, mast cell activation disorder or mast cell activation syndrome um, are not as systematic. You know, they're, they're more of a reactive thing than the systematic uh, mastocytosis uh that's my understanding of it if i if i'm not saying something right if you guys know something differently then jump in um but she she noticed the the issues i was having that i thought were crazy weird allergies she said no these are mast cell issues pam uh, and i started looking into it and even when you're talking about mast cell issues there's three schools out there, three main schools of thought out there for mast cells, which mm-hmm. is the Harvard School. This is really, really, really rare. And then you have mm-hmm. the you have the the Afrin School, the Afrin Moldering School, which is this is not rare and this is everywhere. In fact, yep. I can see mast cell reactions being part of the COVID nineteen stuff. And mm-hmm. and I've been told by some of my people who are who are um, who are in the medical field that said, yeah, they, they are noticing some mast cell issues, mm-hmm. like what's going on with the kids um, when they get it, when oh, they yeah. have that weird reaction, Kawasaki-like reaction, mm-hmm. it seems very mast cell-ish. But I'm not diagnosing them. I just say, just saying that it seems. So that's Afrin school. There's mast cell mm-hmm. stuff happening all the time, and we just don't understand it. And then in the mm-hmm. middle, you have Maitland, who uh, Ann Maitland, and I'm not saying that she's the only. I just the person that I know that's that's the the more of the triptase person, and that's where you're mm-hmm. running into the Ellers Danlos people. Triptase alpha tryptosemia. Um, there's a gene that that some people have extra copies of, and they feel mm-hmm. that if you have the alpha tryptosemia, that your body likes to flood. Your, your blood, your system mm-hmm. with the tryptase, which makes like allergic mast cell type reactions. So mm-hmm. getting one of those, getting a doctor who knows what mast cells are <laughs> mm-hmm. and then finding one, which, which, right. go ahead. Yeah. Right. Well, finding which it, school they are. Go ahead. Well, and, and I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's like a wish list to hope that your whoever you're seeing, whether it's a specialist or a new GP, for oh my God, forget, forget that. But and having to <laughs> explain your, and then expecting that they will be familiar with one school of of study versus another. I mean, let's just admit it right here and now that the three of us are de facto experts on what it is we're living and dealing with because. There is no advocate for what we're doing, and who's more made of, motivated than the sufferer to go find out what are the mechanisms of this? Whose publications do I need to be watching? 
what therapies mm-hmm. are being used in the market and being shown to be promising. Um, it was my own study um, because about four or five years ago, um, I'm 48. So after 40, I had an oops baby, happy accident, not a big mistake, when I was 42. And after that, um, my hormones started changing. And I noticed because I went to the doctor and they said, you definitely need surgery and you need it now because I had developed um, life-threatening ovarian cysts, which are a normal thing for other women and which gynecologists had said to me, it's just, you know, polycystic ovary syndrome. I said, it's not just because if one of those ruptures and I have an internal bleed and I have bled out twice and needed two transfusions, then I could die. And impressing that upon an untrained doctor mind um, is, is a really difficult position for those of us with EDS because we're having, once again, not only advocates who, for ourselves, but we're doing it while in pain. Right. And, and that's when you start calling on your allies and your others and your gods and goddesses because you're like, I need fortification here. I'm trying to advocate uh-huh. and manage this pain at the same time. Ugh. Freya, well, and, give me and it, it, I mean, <laughs> she's good for that one. One of yeah. the, the ones that I uh, – so one of the sort of life-changing experiences for me was about 10 years ago, um, I went to a talk by, at that point, the archdruid of Unreact fame, uh, Kirk Thomas, was doing a mm-hmm. series of workshops on ecstatic practices and using mm-hmm. uh, ecstatic practice as an altered state of conscious, consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, that's why when I'm in a really bad yeah. flare, it's so easy to go out of my head. And it makes yes. so yes. many more things make sense. And I'm oh, like, oh, I'm having, there's a reason why I'm having visions when I'm having really yes. bad flares because yes. pain can be a very effective way to boot you out of your own yes. head into other places. Yes. yes. Um, and learning to harness that and to not be driven by it mm-hmm. was a huge, huge change in how I lived my life. But wouldn't you agree that that's easier to do, Hannah, the older we get? Because when we're teenagers and in our 20s, we we still have this ridiculous mindset that we're invincible. And really when the Ehlers-Danlos flares and event trauma happens, we're still so much in that, in the moment, um, that we can't pull back and see the overarching use of pain and Ehlers-Danlos in terms of accessing um, our abilities as witches, because I find that after menopause, um, I'm able to step back and, you know, maybe it is orthostatic, maybe it is passing out at the top of the stairs, but it is easier to reach a oracular perspective now because I've got, you know, almost five decades of living to reflect on, but also that much time to mature my control over what happens with that pain. Can I focus and use it and divine with it? Or 
do magic with it or do I succumb to it? Now, some days yeah. that's easier than others, but I think maturity is a huge plus even as the pain increases. I know I, that I, I, it sent me go further. Ahead, it you sent go me ahead. further out when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's much more of a learning to use it functionally and yeah. how to care for myself in it more than it's more effective. It's I am, I have more finesse using the tool. Yes. And I, I would I would have to to agree with that too. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and add one more thing into. I, I started talking about when I started learning about the Ellers Downless. I I brought up the mass cell stuff. My friend has been trying to tell me to look into mass cell stuff, and I'm like, how do I get a doctor to pay attention to this? Well, when I found out about the Ellers Downless, I'm like, you mean it's part of it? You mean now I have? You, and and there's like a lot of realizations of you mean this is part of it now going mm-hmm. to what you guys are talking about and what what it's what's helped me is you mean the fact that they have to give me eight million shots of novocaine is part of it <laughs> we do not metabolize pain like numbing like other people i remember when i had my wisdom teeth out being aware that the pain was dulled. I didn't feel the pain, but I was aware of every, everything. I was drugged out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And when they kept telling oh, me to you open my mouth. Feel that. Right. You uh, shouldn't. Well, they, they, they kept telling me to open my mouth. And so I kept opening it and opening it and opening it till my jaw was on the floor. And I was afraid they were going to step on my lips because I was still drugged out of my mind. And I thought that that's what was going on. But I remember them asking me this. I remember hearing this buzz in my brain rattling and me saying, wow, I think they're sawing into my skull right now. That's pretty cool. And, yeah, and <laughs> but I remember this stuff. And, and when you don't have uh, most pain meds don't work on us. If they do have any, uh, if they work on us, they they don't work as long, or as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they so have really unexpected have... side effects. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't. Want... Yeah, that's yeah. <sighs> and see, they, I'm an ultra lightweight. Be... You give me, you give me the drugs, and I'm like, let's start with a quarter dose. Yes, exactly. Like, well, normally that doesn't. And I'm like, no, no, no. Let's start with a quarter dose. And you're like, oh like muscle relaxants if I'm having a spastic episode. I'm like, they're like, well, oh, no, 10 milligrams is normal. I'm going to ask doctors... real quick okay, to go both ahead. of you go real ahead. quick. How many of you have said in your doctor's office, I am not human? I just need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many of you you like, my physiology is not human. I don't digest like a human. I don't move like a human. I'm disintegrating like a jellyfish. I'm feeling like a genetically modified organism. I'm a GM. I don't think I've, I I don't think I ever said that to a doctor, but I've often felt, you know, very much <laughs> akin to to I always thought I was a changeling growing up. I thought that that I was That's definitely so a changeling. Because, My mom's nickname because... for me growing up was Changeling. There Aww. you go. So because we all like everybody else. 
Right. We're jellyfish. We're cartilaginous. I mean, we're as ancient as sharks, I feel like, these days. But <laughs> do you do you two find that our exclusion from the normies, from the non-EDSers, makes us more enables and facilitates us becoming more of which kind and of the everything because we are not part of the gen pop. We're not part of, you know, basic human. We are something else, not something better or worse, just something else. Do you all feel like our EDS has lent itself to witchcraft? I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do. I think that I, for definitely, for sure, for me, I feel it makes me more of an empath. Um, and I don't, I don't, I, I can't really explain why. I think I, uh, do you think I pick up on. You have had to, you've had to listen so closely to your own internal workings that you were able to transfer that skill externally Hannah would you agree with definitely. that definitely I mean definitely yeah. the learning to listen to myself carefully enough to know like when I'm going to flare or yeah. okay nobody else can tell me what's going on externally nobody has good answers I have to right. keep careful notes I mean my right. my right. book of for lack of a, a better term my book of shadows I'm not Wiccan so it's a little different but and mm-hmm. my daily journal and my therapy journal are all one big book because I have to keep track of what's the weather doing? What's my mood doing? What's my environment doing? And then what work am I doing? What spiritual work am I doing? And keeping track of the larger trends in that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I even throw astrology in there at this point and Mm -hmm. try and trying to see the bigger patterns, the, how the bigger wheels are, reflect the movement of the little wheels and trying to figure out how right. those line up. Right. Right. Because well, and I never know when, you know, I eat something that triggers a digestive episode. You know, I'm not going to know that for two weeks or a mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saying this, one of the other things that we didn't talk about, and, and it seems like I'm stacking on more and more and more symptoms and, 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 uh, and, Things that we 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 things. I'm doing a very good example of what I'm about to bring up now. Brain fog. <laughs> oh my god! This last week I have been so brain foggy. I remember this is an example of brain fog. I was typing something out to somebody, and I was trying to say heating pad, and I knew heating pad, and um, <laughs> and I knew heating pad, and as I typed it, I said heat padding. Yep. And and my brain just puts it and I I reverse words, I reverse parts of words and um it's a it's a thing. There's actually a reason. Right. Yeah. There's well there's a so the part of the brain that processes pain is immediately Mm -hmm. adjacent to fine motor control and language recall. Mm -hmm. And so when you're the part of your brain that processes pain is overclocked when it's needing more yep. resources, it starts pulling mm-hmm. from the adjacent resource pools. Mm-hmm. Oh, and short-term memories in that beautiful example right yeah. there. Short-term memory oh, is yeah. in there too. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so, 
so I'm so brain foggy, right? So I get up and I'm telling people, hey, I'm having a bad brain day. Be nice to me. And I'm trying to be very, very careful, very, very, you know, you try to make sure you're dotting all your T's and crossing all your I's. And I did that on purpose. Um, so <laughs> I I went to make myself uh, uh, some iced tea. And I sometimes I'm putting the ice instead of the water in, but I made sure I put the water in this time and I got the ice right. And then I went and got on my computer to talk to some people while it, while it was brewing. And after a couple minutes, I went back there and I didn't turn it on. I didn't turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the, the things is these little steps. And, and, and where did you put... Um, I remember when I was still trying to figure out what was going on, looking for my, my car keys and finding them in the freezer Mm -hmm. and my, my ex laughing at me. And I was just so frustrated. I just started crying and I said, I'm, I'm so happy that this amuses you because growing up, you know, growing up, we were, we were the clumsy ones, you know, Mm -hmm. you dropped it Mm -hmm. again. (laughs) You tripped yeah. up. I don't know what to do about you. You hurt yourself again, tripping over the cat. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's part of it too. There's and what what this is all done for us is I feel I've seen so many people who have Ellis Stanlis that are that we are our own advocates and and we are so much more knowledgeable than sometimes the doctors. And I, I'm not saying we have mm-hmm. medical degrees. I'm not saying we have mm-hmm. medical degrees, but we know more of what's going on with our condition than, than they do. And there is a, it's a very interesting community of people with Ellis Stanley mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. We, we have to be so aware of what's going on with ourselves. And I think that what you're saying, I think it was Hannah that said it. Uh, I'm not sure if it was you, Gabby, um, about the uh, being so aware of what's going on with us that we start, you know, we can see it in other people. And I, I think it's a lot of the, what's helped me out is being part of the, the support groups. Uh, there's some good support groups. There's some bad support groups. There's some, oh, my God, and yes. there's some bad people in some of the groups. This one day, I thought I was going to go ballistic. This woman, and I did, I she bothered all day long. For like a week, it bothered me, and obviously it still bothers me. Um, she had a heart monitor on, which is something that some of us do when we start having the dysautonomia, potsy, orthostatic intolerance yeah. issues. The they put monitor. us on a heart monitor and, and, you know, you're lucky if it shows anything, you know, and if it does right. show something, it's not what they're looking for. I don't see mm-hmm. any uh, tachycardic episodes. It's like, that's not what you're looking for. Um, <clears throat> so right. she had the heart monitor on and she comes on and she starts complaining. It's the middle of the night. And she says, well, I just passed out in the bathroom and I had the heart monitor on and the doctor called me. He thought it was anaphylaxis and he told me to go into the hospital right now to get my blood drawn. There's no way I'm going in at 3 a.m. And, you know, going back to the mast cell thing, that the mast cell causes anaphylaxis. And mm-hmm. if you have an anaphylactic reaction, you need to have your blood drawn. 
within two to six hours, I believe, after having a reaction <laughs> to see what mm-hmm. your taste levels are and to have a heart monitor on and a doctor who knows enough of what's going on to say you right. have this medical trifecta of the planets aligning and going, oh, right. and you saying, there's no way I'm going to do that. Right. Oh, well, it's frustrating. And I had an I had an experience where I was told um, by my cardiologist that if I had any event, because I did the Holter monitor too, and of course I have inappropriate sinus tachycardia, inappropriate meaning they don't know why it's doing what it's doing wrong. Um, But I went to the ER because I was scared, and I was having really strange what's it called, the brachial plexus uh, neuropathy happening in my right arm because, as you know, Pammy, I had my uh, right shoulder completely reconstructed right after my uh, pelvic reconstructed surgery. And then spine surgery on top of all that. But mind you, I went to the ER, and at the end of the evening – I was told by the doctor who finally came in after, I think, three and a half hours. He said, we would really appreciate if you would just take these uh, complaints to your general practitioner. The ER is for emergencies. And I said, did I stutter when I said I have vascular Ehlers-Danlos? I have a three-millimeter aneurysm behind my right eye and my brain. I've bled out twice, and you want to send me home because you can't figure out why my arm looks like this and why my blood pressure is this. So having an untrained doctor or a nation full of them is a recipe for mortality for us. I am so lucky. I I have a a DO who I work with who is actually First Nations. Um, Mm. He's brilliant. And about uh, it would have been last December, I called the doctor and I said, and it was December 28th. So between Christmas Mm. and New Year's, it was a weekend. Mm -hmm. It was like six o'clock at night. And I said, hey, um, I took some B vitamins and I think I had a niacin flush but the right side of my or the left side of my face doesn't look right. And he's like, what's mm-hmm. going on? I'm like, it's not moving. And he's like, get your butt to the hospital. Now I'll meet you there. So you're stroking. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and they thought I had a stroke, which right. I've never seen a hospital staff move that fast. Um, but it turned out that it was a peripheral nervous issue. It was my nerves misfiring, thankfully. Yep. But yep. it was... I had a doctor that listened and they, they're like, no, you have, you know, EDS is a, um, uh, now I'm having a fog day, a warning <laughs> thing <laughs> for yeah. an indicator. Yeah. You, you have a, a risk factor. That's the word I wanted. You have a risk factor for early stroke because I'm, you know, at the time I was 35. And so they don't expect a 35 year old to be having a stroke. No. Yeah. And thankfully well, it wasn't a stroke, it was a peripheral nervous issue, but Yes. I'm glad I'm glad of that. And that's that's one of the things that I've I've had to fight with doctors on is 
you know, but it, it's not this, so they just want to dismiss it. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to learn about, and what you're talking about with the witchy stuff, you learn more about what's going on with your body mm-hmm. and the cycles. And, you know, you talked about the the, the lunar um, Sabbaths and the, the solar Sabbaths. Sabbath. You start learning yeah. what your what your your own cycle does because we brought up the the puberty and being a woman and all Mm -hmm. um your hormonal cycles definitely lend to and they know this um lend to the symptoms getting worse so there is a i was going to say to that aspect when i was researching um well we know that men and athletes um who suffer hypermobility injuries or traumatic injuries um, get the preference. We all know that. Um, But what I didn't expect was there to be this profound lack of academic papers on women who were perimenopausal and menopausal. And I was horrified by that. And I found um, one article um, written by a woman our age with Ehlers-Danlos who was discussing the fact that she had done her own anecdotal studies with other women in the internet age who suffered a sudden increase in severity and frequency of symptoms following menopause. And what was discovered through her research and my own was that hormones as they are the trigger in adolescence for us to start growing um, hormones determine whether or not the collagen becomes more elastic or not well that is not helpful for those of us who already have a genetic defect where we produce defective collagen which then triggers at puberty for hormonal chaos and then it does it again in our 40s or 50s or whenever menopause happens where it triggers an onset cascade of busyness between all of our systems, whether it's autonomic, whether it's uh, respiratory, whether it's circulatory, whether it's, you know, prolapsing of organs in the body to increase in migraines, increase in dislocations, increase in mast cell attacks. It's, it's horrifically understood. Right. And that's and exactly can... where we bring in Panny's age. I am 55. Yes. And Panny used to walk everywhere. And Panny used to mm-hmm. hike everywhere. I could walk 15 miles, no problem. Now I am shopping a wheelchair. Now, yeah. and that's the thing that frustrates me is, 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 and I'm going to try not to cry because I get really upset about it. When I finally found cry. out about Ellis Danlis and when I finally found out about the 2017 change in the criteria, in the diagnostic criteria, I was already mm-hmm. like 53, 54 years old. So mm-hmm. when I went to see the geneticist, I, one of the things they used to, to, to figure out if you are, um, have hypermobile or stainless is called the Biton or Baton scale, depending on who you yeah. talk to, mm-hmm. the pronunciation. And it's very specific. You have to be able to bend uh, your pinkies back a certain degree. Right. Uh, your thumb right. is touching your forearm. Um, your knees bend back a certain floor. degrees. 
your yes. shoulders yep. and or sorry not your shoulders, your elbows, knees, and being able to bend at the waist and put your hands flat on the floor. Well, right. I'm overweight, so I don't know how you're going to get a good a good reading anyhow. You know, and mm-hmm. I brought you've that got up. the joint damage. That's right. the other thing is I, I was telling her, so well, you, your bones have grown yeah. in place and. Yeah. And I Ugh. have, I have, you're supposed to get 10 degrees. I have five degrees. You're supposed to get, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I've got five degrees on two of my, my, my appendages mm-hmm. and uh, four mm-hmm. degrees on, on two of the others. And mm-hmm. I can't bend at the waist anymore like I used to because I got a tummy in the way, but I used to. Mm-hmm. So I pushed myself. Oh, my God, I'm so stupid. I pushed myself about uh, three or four months ago saying, I know I used to be able to do it. I'm losing weight. I'm going to try it. Oh, oh my no. God, the worst pain in my life. <laughs> I must have. I, I don't know if I did a labral t- tear, which, you know, these tears and, oh. and these tissue yeah. injuries. I was in in so much pain. I had to go and I get, you know, when we're talking about this stuff, some people might say, well, why don't you just take steroids? I had to go get steroids. Why don't you take steroids? steroids are, oh, why don't you do yoga? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As someone who um, does yoga and Tai Chi and takes supplements and does all, it's one of those, you think I haven't tried that? Exactly. Well, if I, I live in it, here. I live in here twenty four seven. Thank you very much. Right. I well, am the specialist here. Too. <laughs> and because because I'm overweight, they think that I'm like sitting around pounding down the Big Macs. Um, I have not. <laughs> when we're talking about that cascade of symptoms, my mass cell, especially with food sensitivities, went nuts. Um, starting mm-hmm. about ten mm-hmm. ten years ago. Um, mm-hmm. If I have to keep the doors open if somebody cooks sausages or hot dogs in my house because it will send me, it has sent me mm-hmm. to the emergency room. Um, mm-hmm. I I have a very very strict diet. Um, I am on what's called a low FODMAP diet, which has helped me tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, it's gluten free, lactose free, um, things that I would love to have, like you know, a lot of fruit. I can't have that. Um, right. so, but they think that because I'm, I'm overweight, that I'm just, you know, hey, get me some more ramen. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Funny. I was overweight That's for it. years. I mean, from the time mm-hmm. I was an early teen. And, well, quote unquote overweight because I was muscular, because my muscles are holding all of my joints together. Um, right. But my BMI was really high. And right. You know, they always blamed it on that. And then about seven years ago, I got quite ill and lost mm-hmm. a bunch of weight because my dig- I couldn't digest anything mm-hmm. and yeah. mm-hmm. um, and ended up on a very strict, basically low-carbohydrate food map diet. And mm-hmm. it's like, and now I'm like, okay, so what's your excuse now? <laughs> you right. can't blame it on me being right. overweight anymore. So right. this mysterious right. pain is not because I was overweight. There's obviously something else going on. And mm-hmm. that just well, fries and I have, me. I have really bad, I have severe osteoarthritis in my knee, which they like to say is mm-hmm. my weight. And I'm like, but how do you explain the severe osteoarthritis I have in my wrist or my fingers? <laughs> I don't walk on my fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't well, walk on um, Go ahead. To be honest, Pam, my reaction 
all of that because a cardiologist I loved, and then he was to a facility too far for me to drive. And so he was replaced with someone who did not know who I was, did not know my surgical history, my vascular history. And he sat there, and when he looked at my chart, he said, unless you can justify all these different meds that you're taking, I'm not entirely convinced that you have vascular Ehlers-Danlos. And while my jaw was dropping, he said, are you sure you have it? And I said, okay. okay. So- and I just slid off of the table, grabbed my stuff, and he goes, I didn't mean to offend you. And I said, well, why you didn't? This is lazy physician care. This is lazy medical treatment, and you are unwilling to look at the charts and do the work. And so when people say yeah. this is in your head, what I translate that to is, know how to help you but my ego gets in the way of me telling you that well and along the same lines is is a couple things first of all i want to say something about your vascular ehlers danlos as opposed to my hypermobile and 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 the Mm -hmm. hypermobile ehlers danlos is as of Mm -hmm. yet there are no genetic tests for the hypermobile but you have a genetic test right all the other ones Um, i I think hyper is the only one all of them except and this is why they keep arguing, because for 20 years, probably, no, even longer than that, maybe, all of us initially were grouped into um, the hypermobility, the class three, what was originally the right. class three. And then it was class six, I think, or something. But then they just decided to start um, putting the lowercase letters in front of EDS. So now instead of heads, I'm VEDS. Um, yeah. But for decades we were told that we were hypermobile because they didn't understand that you can have hypermobile aspects to vascular Ehlers-Danlos. And so they didn't quite know how to categorize or classify hypermobility because it could happen in the absence of other Ehlers-Danlos symptoms. But because they didn't know what all those symptoms were, they didn't know where to put hypermobility. But yes, everything but the HEDS has genetic tests available to confirm it. So. Right. And so we, we were done only on our symptoms, and then you have to have the doctors that are willing to, to do the test and understand. And that, that puts me, because I got the testing done later in my life, and I'm, I'm not as flexible as I used to be, they're supposed to take that into account, but they don't and always. Yeah, they're supposed to ahead. ask you, can you do these things on the Baton scale, which is now accompanied by the Brighton scale, which is helpful, but the two of those tests together are supposed to give them an indicator. But their inflexibility kind of surprises me that they are, in, that they are not able to see how these me- metrics are not quite comprehensive of the range of mobility we have well, because at – 14, we that's can turn ourselves that, into... Yeah, and that's where that's where we're at right now with, with the... Because things are still moving forward, especially with the hypermobile and the hypermobility spectrum disorder. And one of... I'm a fangirl for Dr. Alan Spanos out of, uh, out of like, I think he's in Wake County or Durham mm-hmm. um, here in, in North Carolina. And I read his articles because he says 
it's a spectrum. The hypermobile uh, uh, Ehlers Danlos is a specific, you know, you have to hit these check marks, but right. the spectrum is more what you need to look at. Um, it's like when is when does blue when does dark blue turn to to navy blue? You know, right. it's, you're, you're it's all as long as you have um, the other stuff that goes along with it, then you need to be treated as if you have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos. And I do. I have the mm-hmm. orthostatic intolerance and the mast cell stuff and and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I I I wanted to to say the spoony thing because I know I said I br- I bring it up. There's one of the things that we we uh, some of us believe in and others don't. Um, was this called the spoon theory that when you have your at the beginning of your day, you can look this up online, the spoon theory. At the beginning of each day, you were given so many spoons. Some days you have more, some days you have less. And for everything that you do, every activity, it costs a spoon. And right. uh, the person who came up with the theory was telling her friend about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, so tell me what you do today. Well, I go to the grocery store and she plops down the spoon and he says, no, but first you have to get out of bed, spoon. You have to take exactly. a shower, spoon. You have to, so the spoon theory, that's a spoonie. Some people, some people like using it. Some people use it as a cop out. I think it's a really good indicator to explain to normies and how, I think what so I'm too. going to do. Um, now I think it's great, Hannah. Hannah, you said you do the the tai chi and the yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it's great that tai chi is is awesome. Um, I I I don't know if I can keep the balance. <laughs> but, <laughs> I found I I have fallen in love. Uh, we have a local yoga studio run by a fabulous woman named Belinda called just be yoga and she's actually starting to do stuff online and she does chair yoga so she does gentle stretching for the mobility for people who have mobility issues and I walked in and I said okay Belinda this is what I've got going on you know I've got these issues and she's like oh we can work with that we can get you range of motion and we can work you through range of motion and stability and so even when I go into the studio to do stuff with her, she's like, yeah, if you want to, she puts me in one of the spots next to the wall so I can use the wall for balance. And like, awesome. she, this she wall is mine. Yeah. She's, I she's brilliant. We, and Gabriella, we think we need to move yeah. over to Anna. Hannah, you got room in your place? You want some roommates, some witchy roommates? I would agree. Um, I would agree with that. Speaking of time. Well, we do kind of have tight. a thing about travelers around here. <laughs> Speaking of Tai Chi, though, there, there's a the joke that our house is Grand Central Station. That's the kind of house that I'm used to, and isn't that you too? Well, it's not right now in the middle of quarantine. I would say not for yeah, us. right. You know, those uh, of us that are yeah. immunocompromised, we haven't. I haven't seen the first floor of my house in like four weeks. Oh. So, oh. That reminds yeah. me. Either, either, either we are like super, don't catch anything, and everybody's sick all right. around us, or boom, we hit it, get it far worse than everybody else. So we just never yeah. know which one yep. it's going to be. Um, yeah, that's lots of fun. Um, so the the Tai Chi and 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 our practice. However, we we uh, follow our pa- practice 
and Eloise Danlos helps out a lot if you do the Tai Chi correctly because Chi is that energy, and you you're it's an mm-hmm. energy work. Um, I do I've done Reiki, um, and mm-hmm. uh, Reiki helps too. Uh, Eloise Danlos uh, Society has uh, they have these summer global conferences. And mm-hmm. this year it's going to be virtual. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm going to go ahead and sign up for no, it. No, I'm um, very interested. Yeah. yeah. So Ellis Danlow Society Global Conference is going to be virtual. Uh, if anyone wow. listening to the show starts thinking, hey, wait, this is me, uh, you can reach mm-hmm. out to, to if you want to, if you can find me online, um, or you can email darkrabbitradio at gmail.com and um, – I could at least point you to, to some other things to look at. Dr. Spanos, his information mm-hmm. is really good. Um, but one of the things they talked about uh, on one of these these conferences is how um, we're talking about, you know, taking NSAIDs and, you know, opioids and how they really don't help us with our pain. The only mm-hmm. three things that they said will help us with the pain according to their studies are meditation, which we've talked about. That's helped mm-hmm. us and we've mm-hmm. come across that. Mindfulness, which could be linked in mindfulness and meditation. I'm going to put in one thing. The other thing is breathing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's so hard to try to explain to somebody that breathing does help because if they're in, mm-hmm. in the full blown throes of mm-hmm. whatever, Hey, you, I know if I'm panicking and you try to tell me to breathe, I'm going to rip your lungs out through your, your nose. <laughs> that's that's so, just already but, determined. You're going to suffer if you tell me to calm down during one of my moments. <laughs> yeah, but, but breathing does help, and it's it's hard to, you know, when you're in that, that phase, it's kind of hard to, to bring yourself back to it. I've gotten really good at, at explaining uh, PTSD, which ironically is also, even though I talked about the medical reasons that we have the medically um, induced PTSD, PTSD and anxiety issues mm-hmm. specifically. Get this, I'm agoraphobic. I've only I've got really agoraphobic in the last ten years. I didn't used to be mm-hmm. this way. Um, right. Agoraphobia is common with us too. Um, huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can find the studies to show you, but it's, it's the, the panic anxiety specifically mm-hmm. um, a, a more of a tendency to agoraphobia as part of it. Um, and so the mindfulness and the breathing help out with that and understanding what's mm-hmm. going on in your brain when your when your amygdala is being flooded with, panic mm-hmm. hormones and that part of your brain takes over. That's why telling somebody to breathe isn't going to work because you're in survival mode. Right. You're my mm-hmm. danger. You're telling me to breathe. I'm going to kill you. Right. Uh, yeah. But the other yeah, thing I actually, is, uh, oh. go ahead. No, go I ahead. I had great luck learning breathing techniques from a friend who's a doula. Mm-hmm. She wants me. Yeah. How to walk through when your hormones are completely out of whack and you're in incredible pain. And she's like, well, joint dislocations and the pain of mid-birth are somewhat akin to one another. So uh, yep. let's talk about how to breathe through that, and maybe that'll help. But I'm like, I wish other doctors yeah. had known about this. God bless the right. doulas. 
Right. Yeah. But this is but then, this is ancestral magic that women have to carry for each other because we are each other's de facto specialists. Because right. when I well, was diagnosed at 11 years old, I was sitting in the lobby with 20 and 30-year-old men with dislocated knees and broken collarbones. I'm there like all of three feet tall swinging my Mary Janes because I'm sitting in this big-ass chair. It's, I mean, women end up having to care for each other because of our exclusion from traditional healing fora, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that you have a point there. I think a lot of, you know, the the um, the brain fog, ah, the word is right there. <laughs> um, the, uh, the advancement of, of women in medicine being treated uh, more specifically women's issues um, mm-hmm. has helped with people understanding Ehlers-Danlos a lot more. Uh, you know, if you talk mm-hmm. about the difference in how we how we present with with heart attacks, that's a, a big huge mm-hmm. difference. And medicine, uh, you know, Western medicine has been aimed at men, not just you know sports medicine, all medicine. And you're right, right. that's part of I think with our witchiness uh, is we've learned. And and again, whatever, however you you define yourself, I'm not just saying only mm-hmm. witch or no, uh, agree. But however, agree. however you define yourself is is making that connection with, um, with ancestry and 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 the women. You know, when we mm-hmm. learn, when my mother had me, they would knock you out when you showed up at the hospital, and then you'd wake up. Oh, I have a baby. Yeah. Right. You know, the doula, the doula is part of what we have to reclaim from because uh, we have to reclaim that. About us, and I think that Ellis Stanless has made me more aware of mm-hmm. that too. Um, what I was going to say is the other thing that that um, there's only three things that helped was the the breathing or meditation, um, the, the the mindfulness, you know, and then the third one that mm-hmm. they said shows prospect with helping us is uh, cannab cannabinoids, you know, marijuana. Cannabinoids, yeah. I, <laughs> however, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. I do. The devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, but they, they will. They. I, I'm looking forward to 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 the destigmatization of that, because it does right. help, and um, it's being one of the few things well, that really does help. Go ahead. And I have a rheumatologist who I'm working with right now because he and I are going through the process of eliminating rheumatological reasons. And we're doing this um, because traditional methods aren't working for me. I have no medical insurance, so I have to, you know, pay out of pocket for these appointments. And I told my rheumatologist, he said, what are you, he said, I haven't seen you for a year. And I said, that's because I lost my insurance. And he said, what are you doing for pain? I said, I meditate, I breathe, and I eat a lot of brownies, wink, wink. And he said, (laughs) I have no problem. He said, I have no problem with that. Um, And 
he said there's a lot of uh, empirical study that supports using cannabinoids um, for whether it's topical or ingesting it or whatever, that it's working for pain management. And I think that is part of our willingness as witches to, you know, test what works best for us and be resourceful about it because we're denied access to the things that moneyed people or privileged people have access to. Now I well, have a question for you is... on that. Go ahead. So with with working with a plant as medicine, do you have a That's relationship with the spirit of that plant? Mm-hmm. And how do you find that changes things for you? For me, sorry, I'm cuddling a seven-year-old while we're. Um, were you asking? Yeah, you. What I was saying is, go ahead. Yeah. I would. I. You know, I'm really kind of glad you asked that because I have found that me needing this herb in a medicinal way because having been raised in the '70s, oh my God, mm-hmm. my parents were freewheeling hippie freaks, and so there was cannabis abound. But the relationship mm-hmm. with it then is not the relationship I have with it now. And it's kind of strange because I find my relationship with cannabis following the same path of relationship I have with mugwort. Okay. And yeah, and it's almost where I have this deep soul connection, sisterhood, very witchful identity you know, related to mugwort, almost like a matron herb for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Cannabis is showing up like a general. I mean, cannabis is speaking magics to me that I had never appreciated as a younger person. And it's it's deepening and just becoming this, this beautifully complex bonus that I did not expect to go along with the healing that it provides. I'm going to bring up something that might spark people um, on the on the magic type people spectrum, and I know it's going to spark you, uh, Gabriella, because it's something that that we feel very strongly about is with the mass cell stuff. Keep the sage yeah. the hell away from me, and and right. I've never had a good relationship with sage. But if people burn sage <laughs> around me. I am going to be sick. I might need an emergency room visit. I might need a, um, a to to boost up my my steroids or take a dose uh, a round of steroids because of the the sage. And I've never, me personally, I've never felt comfortable with using sage. It was just something that everybody else used. I had other methods of cleaning my space and cleansing my space. And and I'm thinking that part of it is like you were like you were saying Hana is that relationship with the plant I've never felt now sage in the wild and this and the smell of rain on sage I grew up in the desert oh my gosh I love that but burning the sage to me was that felt very wrong and it didn't feel like I should be doing yeah I've always felt that way and then the, you know, here come my mouth cells. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. You asked what? What about what? I was just I was wanting to hear um, Hannah. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, Pam. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. Go ahead, Hannah. 
I didn't have anything on that one. I mean, I, I've got oh, thoughts okay. on it, but I think it's. No, no, no. I thought, sorry, my interruption. I thought uh, we were just, I was curious about Hannah's relationship, how with, that has yeah. changed with, with herbs for you. Um, I work with plants a lot, um, mm-hmm. both in a medicinal way and as food as medicine and in my garden mm-hmm. and kind of getting my my space in a, it's a very spiritual connection. And so mm-hmm. there are some herbs that I work with um, like supplementally that I find the more I have a relationship with the given spirit, the more effective mm-hmm. those things are and the smaller the dosage I can use them in um, mm-hmm. using them in concert with alternative there. Well, so-called alternative therapies like um, Chinese right. medicine, some Chinese traditional right. medicine and, um, have gotten great pain relief from uh, moxibustion um, using moxa, which is burning essentially mugwort um, mm-hmm. on trigger points. And that's mm-hmm. been just game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I had an acupuncturist who, who introduced me to moxibustion and I'm like, this is beautiful. Why don't we do this? Yeah. This is yeah. <laughs> direct spirit application of herbs on the body. Yeah. I like it. And that goes back yeah. to, so finding... to how our, our that connection with with our our practice and and um, and healing our bodies or dealing. You know, and I'm going to put this out here. I think that the reason doctors have a problem with us is what I just said there: <laughs> healing our bodies. We will be healed over um, like an acute issue, but what we have is chronic and there is no cure. Agreed. So I Agreed. think a lot of doctors don't like that because they want to okay take this for two years for two weeks and come you know come back healed and, and we're, be done. we're not. Yeah. And, it's like a and, transaction and we, instead of right. a relationship. And it is. It I mean, is that's a, been. Go ahead. Oh, that's been why I fired the last several doctors. I, it, mm-hmm. Learning to be my own self, my own advocate, my own medical advocate, mm-hmm. and teaching, teaching myself the, the language so I can go in with notes and use the medical terminology um, right. and really come in as an advocate for myself. And that's been incredibly empowering. Do you feel like that has changed your the way you carry yourself as a learned, you know, witch through your community? Like, I don't know if you hold leadership positions, Hannah, but do you feel um, like your self-determinism and your leadership of your causes has better enabled you to be a leader for the witchcraftian community? It has, I don't know that I am in so much leadership positions as I am in um, discussions with other communities. I do a lot of community building and community weaving um, mm-hmm. and acting as a liaison between communities. <laughs> and we believe that. I, well, and one of the big things with EDS, it's it's a boundary issue within the body. It's it's you know soft tissue is is a boundary. Is, a, is one of mm-hmm, the yeah. boundaries. And so we exist in a liminal state. We exist mm-hmm. in this in-between state mm-hmm. where the edges are soft. And as a magical yeah. practice, 
taking ownership of that and awareness of it and developing good boundaries for ourselves and figuring out where our own edges are and where Agreed. stretching our edges is appropriate and where holding gentle tension and when to use outside supports. Right. And use oh my outside God. <laughs> is so did, important. Man. Made our 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 genetic issue beautiful. That that's Can perfect. So, Both. so <laughs> I had a teacher. I was involved in martial arts growing up. Um, it's how I damaged my joints pretty significantly. Um, I did Western yeah. martial arts, so fencing. Um, and one of my teachers, um, his name was Ken, and he's one of my most honored, my honored dead. He. Um, the first time I showed up, it was the, the summer after I had my first knee surgery, and I was walking with a cane. He stepped to me, and he looked at me, and he went, do you know how to use it? And I was <laughs> running the information desk for this sword fighting convention because I was laid up. And he looked at me, and he went, well, if you've got to walk with a cane, you need to learn how to use it like a cudgel. There's an entire fighting art based on that. You're at a fighting convention. You know, you're at a martial arts convention. Let's teach you how to do this. And over the next four years we developed a relationship where he, you know, we'd check in and he was from a different state and he would teach me how to use an Irish cudgel. And oh God, after several so years gifted amazing. me with, with one he had made. And, you know, that's, that's one of my sacred things is that's the, mm-hmm. the symbol of, I took this thing that could have been a defining disability and right. turned it into a superpower, turned it into yes, a skill did. that I had honed. Damn. And gave me a perspective that other people didn't have. I love it. Yes. Scared of you, Hannah. Scared of you. (laughs) (laughs) No, but so that's that's I come from on it. (laughs) You know, here I am talking about wanting a, a wheelchair. And I know I can explain and you know, I I'm still fighting with it mostly because of the ableism around me. And my mm-hmm. coming to terms with it, but I know how much it's going to open up my life again and, and make mm-hmm. me be able to go out and do stuff that I haven't been able to do because, because my, my um, mobility is so limited. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a, you're talking about when to use support. Like most, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say zebra. We haven't used that term yet. Zebra is one of the things that, that we call ourselves because when people go to medical school, they're taught if you hear hoofbeats, you think horse, you don't think zebra. So when we go to the doctor and we say, I'm feeling dizzy, they, they say, you know, they go through their little gambit of what things are and hardly ever do they go dysautonomia or POTS. Um, right. Or we talk about how all these things connect. They're like, well, we, it's not showing up on the test. Um, we're zebras. We're we're mm-hmm. different. Um, we're we and we've had to fight through people telling us that there's nothing wrong with us. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But but as as zebras, I I understand that I have this collection of braces <laughs> mm-hmm. that I might mm-hmm. do a day or two in my wrist brace. And and I love in some of my my support groups where people say, "What's your favorite brace for this?" I'm like, here, let me take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh-huh. How do you tape? Tape is a good one. How do you tape your shoulder? Tape right. is amazing. Um, but but, but even the act of bracing mm-hmm. 
and taping and even meditating, I mean, those can become mechanisms of ritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to incant or to chant as you are wrapping your wrist, whether it's your dominant arm or your support arm, I mean, all of these things that we do suddenly take on this very witchful parameter because mm-hmm. it is it is revered as something sacred. And I think that what has changed for me, especially during uh, COVID quarantining, is how do I make ritual from my constant evaluation of my mortality because mm-hmm. I am I'm already you know a rare bird because I have vascular Ehlers-Danlos so we have a life expectancy of 48 years and we have this lethal pathogen that causes cardiac and pericardial and um, I, you're right Pam this whole histological reaction in the lungs that creates a fatal pneumonia and those of us with cardiovascular symptoms with respiratory and you know uh, those those systems it, it creates a very poignant and almost like a mortality immersion state where yeah. we we're in this examination of mortality and I'm so glad that I'm a witch because I don't know if I were a muggle, how would I do, how would I sustain myself through that? And so to, to say that EDS has shaped my view of mortality and my view of witchcraft, it absolutely has. It's given me infinite opportunities to learn and apply my craft to my perspective and and what sustains me spiritually. You were you were talking about being a leader in the community and I I used to always be like one of the people, one of the lurkers and I always waited for, you know, oh if I find somebody that's going to be my teacher, but then I was taught by my my guides and I was taught by other other things and I realized that I really did have a grasp of what's going on. Uh, and I didn't yeah. need to learn from from like a Merlin coming down and telling me here. No magical teachers going to appear. Yeah, well, but they had been. There'd been a lot of mm-hmm. them and a lot of experiences, and and that's when I started coming out to say, you know, because I would get so annoyed as I don't like the way the the community is. And being military, I moved around a lot. I don't like this the way this community runs. And then I finally, it just dawned on me. And this is the one thing that I try to tell everybody else: if you don't like it, then you need to be the change. Step up. And that's yes. when I started becoming a leader. Well, that's also when the mast cell stuff started going crazy and the mm-hmm. the orthostatic intolerance and the and you know when I would go to do ritual. Um, I didn't know if I'd be able to, to actually do a ritual or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would, I'd have to stand. Sometimes I'd, I'd start carrying in a, a chair um, mm-hmm. because I couldn't do one standing. And I started coming mm-hmm. to terms with, with you know, I, I used to hate my body for not being able to do like everyone else's because I was taught 
that there was something wrong with me because I was always clumsy or, oh my God, in, in, um, in like third grade um, gym, we would have to, we'd line up a, a, like two teams and have to shoot baskets. And then once you shot a basket, mm-hmm. you go to the end of the line, whichever right. line got me would groan because I could not make a basket period. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. part of the mm-hmm. Ehlers-Danlos, but I didn't know that then. I have horrible, mm-hmm. horrible handwriting. I look like I, I'm a, like a drunk fifth grader with my handwriting. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that's part of the Ehlers-Danlos too. So I was always mm-hmm. hating myself for not being like everyone else. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, me coming out to be more, to, to, to embrace the witchy, more of the witchiness of me and, and becoming mm-hmm. that leader and, and actually saying, okay, look, if I want the change, I'll have to, to do that myself. <clears throat> Excuse me, come into my own with it. Um, I think that that's helped me with also understanding, like you're talking about the mortality and, and embracing yeah. my crone and becoming yes. a crone and embracing my crone yep. and, I know a lot of people on on magical type paths, and I'm not saying that there's you know the um, the trinity of women's roles, you know, but the mm-hmm, crone mm-hmm. is one. Um, mm-hmm. And embracing that, the Ellers Danlos has helped me understand mm-hmm. the power that that comes from from listening yes. to your body, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and understanding when to ask for help. And that does not right. make you weak. And right. yeah, and building community. Anyhow, that's a little bit right. of. Uh, I I I I want to to know if you guys are good with with how long we've been going, because uh, I know I only said about an hour, and I love talking oh, to. You. I'm <laughs> so I'm doing good. We, I want to hear more. Have... Yeah, <laughs> I'll be. I'll, I'll try new. to maintain my. I'll, I'll try no. to maintain my. Tammy, puppy nature. <laughs> we love your chattiness, but but uh, Hannah's new, and I'm really curious about where <laughs> you grew up. I where you grew up, and you know how your did your chronic illness grow along with your witchcraft? Like when did witchcraft happen for you, and how did chronic illness <laughs> and witchcraft come together or did they was one a response so, to the other you know um i grew up in mid michigan um so in the middle of the all of the great lakes and in what's essentially a giant swamp we're we're a giant wetland i just go with it mm-hmm. um my teachers are mountain people and i'm a, mm-hmm. i'm a flatlander and i i, I own mm-hmm. that um <laughs> There are lots of jokes about being the swamp witch. It's great. Um, and it's part of that liminal state thing, that living on the edge in where is it wet? Is it dry? Is it an island? Is it a river? Are we in a floodplain? Is it going to come in? Um, and kind of watching the natural balances and <laughs> watching the bigger wheels and applying them to the smaller wheels, mm-hmm. trying to figure out lessons from the bigger things. And I, growing up, had a number of health challenges with the weird infections and you shouldn't have gotten this illness or this shouldn't have turned Mm -hmm. life-threatening. Well, Mm -hmm. it did. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I was the kid of an immigrant and my Mm -hmm. mother taught, my father was an immigrant. My mother is an immigrant. My mother is, was an English as a second language teacher. And my dad Mm -hmm. worked at the local university doing um, disability services. Uh, Mm -hmm. And in the late eighties, early nineties, ADA compliance, he was, the person who Mm -hmm. helped the university become compliant. So I kind of grew up in disability advocacy land um, Mm. and education advocacy land. And um, part of my diagnosis came in when my brother and my father both got diagnosed with EDS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mother has uh, a number of similar autoimmune and osteo-rheumatological stuff going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I grew up questioning things, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm pagan. When You know, freshman year of high school, my mom's like, (laughs) go read books for a year and come back and talk to me in a year. Then we can talk about it. And so I go and do research, and bless my world history teacher, she had – the giant bookshelf at the back of the room. She's like, so religion is a big part of world history. I got copies of everything I could get my hands on. So multiple translations of the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, the Tao Te Ching, the Bahagida, Black Elk Speaks, uh, the works of Confucius, Plato, Aristotle, you name it, it was Mm -hmm. up there. And so I started reading. Um, And after a year, I came back with this giant stack of books including, you know, Margot Adler's Drawing Down the Moon and things. And I'm like, well, I can definitively say that that's more interesting. So I'm going to go over here and research and look at things. And started having really massive health problems in high school. Um, knees dislocating, hips dislocating. Sent me to a, a surgeon and he's like, well, we can tighten your tendons up and put off a knee replacement as long as we possibly can because you're 16. Um, And they didn't really have any answers. And so it sort of developed together because Mm -hmm. in a roundabout way to get answer your question, Mm -hmm. they developed alongside each other because to deal with the chronic pain issues, because painkillers didn't really work right, or right. weren't effective, or I couldn't stand the side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I turned to mindfulness meditation. I had a friend mm-hmm. whose parents were Zen Buddhists, and so they're like, "All right, we're going to teach you meditation. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we can work you through this this way." As a sixteen and seventeen year old, mm-hmm. and so I was already interested in philosophy and in world religions and anthropology and. Mm-hmm. never really found my my way. I knew I did magic mm-hmm. stuff. I did spread magic and I watched the natural world and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't actually start following a specific path other than seeker until mm-hmm. about six years ago um, when I looked at the universe in general and went, Y'all want me following a, a teacher. You're going to put someone in front of me, and you're going to make it so obvious I can't ignore it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> the universe answers, and they drop people literally on your doorstep. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and not always so, someone you would choose. 
I, I am very, very lucky. I enjoy my teacher very much. He and I get along famously, and I'm very happy where I'm at. But it was very much a, how did I end up here? I, mm-hmm. This is not where I expected to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like the wisdoms and the richness that you have now at this point are Mm -hmm. equally informed by chronic pain and the instability of the physical self along with the witchcraftian, somewhat taboo spiritual side of yourself? Do you feel like those equally inform the wisdoms you have now at this age during this, especially during this crisis of, you know, civilization and contagion but I think what do you think I think trying to define my experience in the world without defining my physical experience is pretty much impossible um so so I can't get rid of that as a bias yeah um so I don't know that I would say that they're equally impactful I'm more inclined to say that it's an integrated experience that yeah. they all inform each other. And I take what lessons yeah. I can because otherwise I'm just a disabled person and I'm not. Right. That's not the, right. the sum total of my identity. Um, it is but an see, experience I happen to have. But see, but see that's where, where uh, you know, that we're disabled. It's, it's so fraught with, with so much baggage. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to come to you have to be able to come to terms with with not being as able as the normies, and and that's not in any way a derogatory term. That's just you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. people who don't mm-hmm. suffer what who go through what we go through. Um, yeah, right. But you you know using what you know the your teacher who taught you to use the cane as a weapon is amazing. Um, Mm-hmm. Gabriella knows I I we kind of sort of met when Wendy Roll was coming to her her shop for yeah. um, uh, to do a class and I was so excited because mm-hmm. I I was able to to meet her because I've spoken to her um, to interview her and I was going to take a class and I really clicked with her and I thought I'd really but on the way there. I was having breathing issues and panic attacks and I called up in tears mm-hmm. and I'm like, please, mm-hmm. please don't think I'm a horrible person. I can't make it. My and I felt horrible. But, but what I'm, what I'm saying, I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because right. I've learned that this is how I, I I'm able to still explore the world and meet people. I was a, a radio disc jockey, um, since the 80s, and I'm I was able to, with the help of uh, of like Selena Fox and 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 Pagans Tonight mm-hmm. Radio Network, and now this one, mm-hmm. to be able to mm-hmm. take the skills that I had outside of magic and make it part Ta-da. of and, and make community. Um, yeah, I want to go ahead before we wrap up. This is a really important point that I want to make. Is there's a lot of people who are in the pagan community. Um, who have chronic illnesses, both physical and mm-hmm. mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 
in some ways we attract people and in other ways Mm -hmm. we also have a a, a way of stigmatizing some people. So try to understand, Mm -hmm. you know, this is me preaching to everybody else. Try to be more understanding of the experience that everybody is having. Everybody has a different Mm -hmm. experience on this plane. And uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that my stuff has taught me is to, to, mm-hmm. to be aware that other people, you know, just because it's not my truth doesn't mean that it's not a truth. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're listening or if, if you uh, know people who have like another illness that you would like to bring mm-hmm. to, to the show, darkrabbitradio at gmail.com, I am open to exploring the experience beyond Okay, Scorpios are like this, you know, not just the, the <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. you're you, you're you, right. where, where, you know, wherever you are, and you should hopefully be a magical person all the time, mm-hmm. and not just when you put on your witchy hat, or right. heathen hat, or heathen hat, heathen hat. Yes. Yeah. Living an integrated life. Yeah. Holistic living. Mm -hmm. Holistic. I like that. Holistic. Yeah. Um, But that's just some thoughts that I wanted to to put into this. And and again, that disabled is a a very, it just means that you have to find what your Mm -hmm. superpower is. Like we've already mentioned Mm -hmm. on the show. You know, using and a so, cane. Oh, yeah. And so poor Hannah. Let it be a. Teacher. I've been known to use mine as a magic wand. I yes. kind of like where you're going. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I, I use my cane as a magic wand. My I have wards <laughs> built into my bra- my wrist braces, like Wonder Woman style. It's great. Right, and I painted I painted sigils all over. Um, one of my best friends broke her arm in my shower, and uh, when she got her her cast, uh, I painted it. I covered it completely with sigils. And what's wonderful about that is going out in public as a witch and having people either walk away from you because you've got sigils <laughs> all over your arm. Or, or the the neophytes and the curiosity seekers are like, I feel like that's a thing. I want to know about the thing. And can I do much? You know what I mean? There's a curiosity and there's an attractiveness. I mean, witchcraft is honey. Let's be honest. It really. Yeah. My cane is good on everything. <laughs> my my cane is. Uh, I bought it this way it's it's the uh, blue the dark blue with the the stars and it has um stars and moons and it has a it has the horoscope the the horoscopes on it the the nice. yeah the zodiac so <clears throat> the zodiac so people come up and ask me about it um you know they oh i really like it i'm like yes look it's astrology and they'll <laughs> if they're interested they'll like oh if they're not, then they're like, oh, devil woman. <laughs> yes. Because, come on, yep. we live they in North Carolina. And... Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's, it's, yep. it's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my wheelchair and what I'm going to do with that, what kind of uh, sigil and, 
and things I'll I'll be able to do. Maybe I can wheel your myself magical down to where you're at. I would agree. You could put one. Yeah, at at um, it's sad that we just missed Beltane and we're going into Litha, but you could have put streamers on the back of your wheelchair and hit like thirty miles an hour. You would have been glorious, glorious <laughs> to watch. <laughs> That Sorry, would be cool. <laughs> I used to, oh, I um, got one last after my question. knee surgery, oh, go yeah, ahead. go for it. Oh, after my surg- no, knee surgery, when I was in a chair for a while. Oh, this is When I was in a wheelchair. Took, yeah, great. Well, phone lag. We had uh, taken oh, streamers yeah. and wove it through the spokes of my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So I had rainbow wheels. You didn't put tarot cards in the spikes of your 10 speed? No. <laughs> no, I just hung, I, I hung charms all over it. Oh, of course, oh, you have to use it. the chariot, right? You have to use the chariot. You would have to use the chariot. Um, okay, Very so nice. here's the last. Let's go ahead and wrap things up with this last question. Um and and I'll prelude with with the mast cell issues that we have. I I have a mask. It's called a Vogue mask. V O G M A S. You can find mm-hmm. it online, but unfortunately, she's not making any right now. Mm-hmm. She's out of stock. So I already had a mask before this became a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice mask. How do you feel that having to deal with our issues? has helped you with this time of COVID-19. Um, I know we're, we're probably more aware and, and uh, we're at the higher risk, I feel. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll tell you, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I had it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. I call it, I say I had Schrodinger's virus. I had it and didn't have it at the same time because that's exactly. how they're treating mm-hmm. it. Exactly. You know, oh, you, you had all the symptoms of it, but we're not going to test you. Um, yeah. But during, when I was having the really horrible breathing issues, I was mm-hmm. using my breathing techniques. I was even mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. people, look, use your breathing techniques. And then, then I, I get, then there's like these studies coming out saying, showing that if you use the breathing techniques you use for asthma, which is pretty much our breathing techniques, the relaxation, um, that it's mm-hmm. helped people. So mm-hmm. we'll start with, with, uh, with, with Gabriella. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of, how did this having to deal with your chronic illnesses, with your chronic issues, of uh, I hate calling Ellers Demos an illness because it's just who we are. It's what right. we are. We're genetically it's your chronic superpowers. <laughs> With your chronic we're, superpowers. we're not human. <laughs> um, yes, we're not human. I, well, it, you know what's funny about the question is that I find myself answering it in kind of like this pulled back overarching global type view because I'm I'm sure you're both going to go oh absolutely I've noticed it too very subtle but then recently intensifying paganing of the world 
as yes. society and its inherent theocratic, you know, religious structuring is collapsing. I'm watching new generations of teenagers and college students and anyone in the in their 20s who is of this universal and global age. I'm watching this grand paganing of the world. And so I'm kind of excited. Like I'm, I'm intrigued and invigorated by it. I see old systems being examined closely and crumbling and I can't help but feel encouraged by it in this awful time of, of casualty, both, you know, systematically, institutionally, um, in terms of our health and wellness as a country. I mean, all eyes are on us right now. And we are abandoning old systems that don't work. And I see young people and all of us with technological access seeing each other doing the right things around the world. And so we have this sudden awareness that it's not just me that feels this way. I've got, you know, Mm -hmm. friends in Australia and Johannesburg, South Africa, and in Germany and, um, you know, Iceland. And they're all, you know, reporting this is condemnable. And when you know that other groups of people are listing what is a a thing that's worth celebration in our community, what is a thing that it's worth condemnation in our community, you feel globally connected. And I feel like that serves paganism and our ancestral default settings. And I'm encouraged by it. I know that that may sound bizarre. And yes, I'm, you know, locked up here in what my daughter calls the senior center because being immunocompromised yeah, exactly. I even put a mini fridge in my closet for crying out loud because I knew I'd be living up here. Um, but they're essential workers. They're also lifelong pagans, and they're out in the world, frontline, wearing their masks. And I feel like there is a, I don't know, I feel like there's something about that that really informs the basic gut level, capital K, knowing that we have. And, I mm-hmm. have to go ahead. Before we go into before we go into Hannah's response, I have to say something. And you know me, I'm always going to have to get political at least once a show. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. I, I do this political show, and on there we have a guy that's a child of the '60s and '70s, and he was going on and on about lamenting about how his was the last generation that was willing to do anything about social change. And I'm like, no, I don't think you're doing. <laughs> I don't think your eyes are open and I'm sitting here watching right now um, a lot of the protests that are going on around the country for George Floyd. And when you look at the people who are protesting, there's all different, uh, all different colors of people Mm -hmm. there, but the majority of them are young. The majority of them are are young. And I I wanted Mm -hmm. just to, just something that, that struck me. Um, and I'm not going to go ahead and say Llewellyn books are the end all be all, but, but it is like this pig, they call it Paganistan there in, in Minneapolis. Sure. There's this, this very strong pagan 
community in Minneapolis where Llewellyn Books is, mm-hmm. is housed. And, and I have a lot of pagan friends there. And I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, connecting what you're saying about the, the paganing of the world and this being kind yeah. of an epicenter for a, a large change. I mean, some of my friends were, I felt it a couple of days ago before this, this started and some mm-hmm. of my other friends are saying, did you feel that shift? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to ask you guys too, and Hana, for you to give your, your, you know, your say on this, but did you feel that shift? Definitely. It, I mean, I've been working through some intense grief work. I, I do public grieving stuff I, like modeling grief um, as a mm-hmm. spiritual thing. Um and basically doing the, no, let me show you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay, Absolutely. however the grieving expresses. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've been talking to my activist friends about, because I've been a bit of a rabble rouser since I was in, you know, middle school. And working, you know, the past few days have been, okay, if you go to the protest and you're going to get pepper sprayed, here's how you survive. Um <laughs> Here, here's how to do the protest things. And it's mm-hmm. been talking to people and going, let the grief and the rage inform mm-hmm. what you care about so you yes. can pinpoint what actually matters and where yep. you're going to take action. Yep. yep. Very well because said. Because there's Very well said. ride the ship. I call it surfing. Surfing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um because pretending it's not happening and wishing it would go away or making excuses for for why this horrendous thing happened is not going to, to cut it anymore, you know. But I feel the structure of activism is changing now, and I think you both would agree that now that we have the the capacity, the ability to individually represent ourselves to each other online and not in person means that those of us who are not boots on the ground types anymore can be very functional and integrated and active in community yeah. advocacy behind our yeah. laptop or smartphone. And I think that wisdom is finding its place and it's often behind a keyboard or in offering our wisdom as a, as a resource to our community mm-hmm. and the younger people or those who are able-bodied can go ahead and be, and be boots on the ground. I feel like the shift is huge in terms of it's work literally and this is technology from an old corporate stage of my life we're asset mapping and crafting community where we have a huge diversity of people um, who are physically in the front lines doing the work, you know, because they are able-bodied and their witchcraft is not fully formed, but it is forming. And those of us who are old hats are back here, you know, sequestered in our senior centers with our smartphones and cats. And I feel like that's more acceptable now and equally valid, whereas it didn't used to be that way. If you couldn't be boots on the ground, you lost relevance and you lost place in community. And mm-hmm. I don't I feel like that is 
changing and that each of us is being valued for where we're at. And I personally love it. I'm here for it, as the kids say. I, yeah. I think that that's kind of what I was trying to say about what I've what what I've learned from this is you know by doing the podcast and and being mm-hmm. uh, being somebody socially social media active mm-hmm. and being an activist in that respect. Um, and I I agree with you. Yeah, a voice and 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 also offering. I'm, I hope to offer, you know, the experience and what I've learned when everybody mm-hmm. else is trying to figure the rules. Mm-hmm. And the rules aren't fair. They aren't fair. Unfortunately, right. they're the rules. And if you want the rules to change, you have to do it. You have mm-hmm. to do it. Just yep. like when I was talking about with the pagan communities that I'd been part around, I'm like, I don't like the way they do this. I don't like the way they do that. Well, I'm when things started to change. Witchcraft, you've got to go get your witchcraft yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been really cool, <laughs> Hannah. I think I I think we found a new friend. Um, <laughs> I I agree. And, yeah. Aww. Um, I'm, interested in, <laughs> I'm interested in learning more about some of your other the things that you do, like with the the grief and and all. So if there's things that you wanted <laughs> to promote. Um, I'm going to let you have a moment if there's anything that you want to promote now, but if there's anything that you want to promote, you can always reach out to me and we can do a podcast. And as always, Gabriella, you too. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give give uh, Hannah a moment if there's anything that you want to promote that you're doing. And if you want um, people to contact you or anything, go ahead. Yeah, I'm quite active on Instagram and Facebook uh, under HG Wendell. W-Y-N-D-E-L-L. Um, and the website is coming soon. We're working on that. Um, I'm also on Patreon, and I do small handcrafted charms and uh, communication work and divination work through that. So those are the good spots to find me under H.G. Wendell. Um, so that's where I'm at. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Did you want me to list my stuff? Yeah. Oh, go ahead and list some of your stuff and then we'll go. That's cool. Um, So I am the founder of Laughingbrook Spellcrafting, uh, which is an ancestral art gallery um, in Huntersville, North Carolina. We are currently displaced because the building we were in caught fire. um, And now because of the COVID closures and the Great Depression, which is now upon us, um, I'm thinking that spaces should be uh, available when we're all allowed out. Um, But in the meanwhile, we have a very healthy um, readership and community online. Um, Laughing Book Spellcrafting and Ancestral Arts on Facebook is the shop page but from it has been, and that's got 4,000, I think we've got 4,000 followers to uh, Laughingbrook Spellcrafting, which is the merchandise side. But the Village Laughingbrook can be found on Facebook, and that is for pagan and witchcraftian uh, practitioners just to be us as a community. And from Village Laughingbrook, 
we have the Order of Arachne, which is a fiber arts collective. We have Turn the Earth, which is a gardening and botanical collective. Um, and we also have Volunteers for Laughing Brook, which is a pagan kind of like uh, a pagan door-to-door service where if you're in a certain zip code or geography, you post your need online and then someone from your geography will bring whatever it is, whether it's prescriptions or groceries or elders need checking on. So we've got volunteers for Laughing Brook, and um, we're a very, very vocal and active group of folks, very diverse and act from all over the country. I think Village Laughing Brook is like at 630 members maybe now. Um, okay, nice. So we're – yes, so, so we're – close-knit and we have really hard discussions sometimes and sometimes some really scandalous discussions but it's belting season <laughs> so what have you um <laughs> but we're we're out there and whoever needs us we are there with open arms and we're always you know looking for new artisans hint hint so you know that's we'll talk. That we... <laughs> awesome so, so your volunteers is is why I got involved uh, when I did because I lived in a in under the buckle of the Bible Belt in Texas. Not that I moved mm. very much by coming to North Carolina, but the churches, right. you know, when you move to a new area in in areas like this, the very first thing people ask you is, "Do you have you found your church family?" And oh, if oh. you needed anything. You know, if you needed, you know, hey, so and so is is sick, the the people would bring you casseroles or hot dishes, whatever. Right. And you know, if somebody was a little short on their their uh, electric bill, you know, the the church would find a way to, you know, help you right. out. And I said, Hagans, we need to do that too. We need to not yeah. just be about hey, let's show up and chant around under the full moon. We need to be there and be yeah. a community. That's why when you were yeah. talking mm-hmm. about community. It's like, oh, um, I need yes. help right now where I'm at with one of the, the witches in, in my neighborhood. Who are the witches in your neighborhood? Uh, one of my witches <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> she's, she's chronically ill, too. Uh, she's chronically ill, too, and she, she doesn't drive. And the guy who's been doing most of her errands had a stroke recently. And I'm finding a, a heck of a time here with people who are are that community service minded within our own community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I might hit you up, Gabriella, to see if there's Please. anyone up Please. this way because Absolutely. she really needs help. Um, but that's yep. I think that that's really important, and that's part of why I do this. Um, yeah. The Witching Hour Spellcast, and again. Anything, if people, if if you know people who would be interested in doing a podcast, it's still in its infancy. I'm looking for more shows um, to put on. And I liked what we had at Pagans Tonight when I was the station manager because we had different mm-hmm. shows every night. We had bilingual shows. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had shows about, you know, different paths and different ways of looking at, at things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's who we are. Um, mm-hmm. We aren't monolithic. Though we do like right. monoliths, we are not monolithic. 
<laughs> we like any kind of lips because rocks are the best. <laughs> That's all there is. Yes, this is a rock show. Um, so yes. thank you for being my guest today. Hopefully people learned a little bit about Eller Stanless. Um, things that may not have rang, you know, spoken to you about Eller Stanless, but if you're dealing with chronic health issues, maybe you've got some insight from that too. Um, if you think you have Eller Stanless, then there's plenty of places that you can go. Ellers-Danlos.com, I believe, is the Ellers-Danlos Society. Uh, if the mm-hmm. mass cell sounds interesting and you want to look more into it, one of the best sites that I found is TMS. That's like a Tango Mike Sierra, TMS, <laughs> for a cure, F-O-R, for a cure.org. Um, there's a dysautonomia support network if you want to find out more about the dysautonomia and the POTS. POTS is a type of dysautonomia. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you guys think of anything else to throw out there for people to look at? Well, there's the, isn't there the, um, the zebra site in UK and then there's a zebra site in the U.S. and there's the, yeah. um, the Eller Danlos Research Facility in Baltimore, Maryland. And there's also a doc up in Boston. Of course, her name has left me. I love this woman, but she specializes in um, the relationship between cardiovascular and small fiber neuropathy in Ehlers-Danlos, and she's in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, you can um, – the doctor that I like here, and I think he's in Durham – is Alan Spanos, and he has some really interesting things that I usually post to post up for people, new people wanting answers. www.alanspanosmd.com forward slash articles. And you can find some really good articles there. But, you know, yeah, you talk to any of us zebras, and we've got a whole – I've got – there's a new book that came out called Disjointed. Have you seen this book? I, I no, bought my no. copy of it. It's um just came out like about a week or so ago, uh, and I was at Hypermobility MD. Is uh, she has like a podcast and and uh, very one of the things I think Hannah was saying is you learn the language of the doctors, and that's helped me out with how yep. to talk to my doctors. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, hey, I'm dizzy all the time is a lot easier if you say, hey, I have an orthostatic intolerance, which means if I stand up for five, yeah. ten minutes, I start getting dizzy and swaying. Um, yeah. But the, yep. the book is called Disjointed, and it's a, it's basically a – I don't want to say – it's a compilation. That's it. I was going to say anthology, but that's fiction. Uh, it's a compilation <laughs> of different chapters. And mm-hmm. I, I will get with both of you guys in private and, and tell you some of the chapters, but there's like one on uh, gynecological um, mm. issues. And there's like two doctors that are specialists in it that talk about the different di- gynecological mm-hmm. issues that um, Gabriella brought up and mm. mast cell has got Dr. Ann Maitland um, talking about mast cell activation disorder. And it's, you know, we, there's, I, I try my best to be patient with doctors because at least they're looking into it these days. Well, no, mm-hmm. when when I was sometimes I was fans, I, sometimes they are. 
I think I was very close to being diagnosed about uh, 15 years ago by a chiropractor <laughs> of all people because he did yep. what I know now was the Biden yep. test on me. But oh, then he asked me, does your skin stretch? Mm-hmm. Because the hyperelastic skin was part of the diagnostic criteria. And now they know that yeah. that's a specific type of Ehlers-Danlos and not right. that's hypermobile. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, do you have a place where, or should we just send you our resources after the show um, and maybe uh, have a compilation of, of resources on your page, Pammy? On the show I will now? make a page. <laughs> I haven't you have done a page for the wish. I haven't. Well, I did for the pagans tonight, but I haven't migrated into a witching hour spellcast Facebook group. So keep your eye out. There's going to be a witching hour spellcast um, <laughs> Facebook group very soon, and uh, <laughs> Hannah and Gabrielle are going to be the first members. So if you're friends with yes, them, look are. for it. <laughs> so if they want to be, we'll be yeah, there. This is not a panocracy. We'll this is a with bells on, with bells and braces. Oh, I love bells, bells and books and candles. Um, bells, bells but, candles and braces. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it again, um, you guys' time for talking about Ellers Danlos on the, you know, one of the last days of Ellers Danlos Awareness Month. Um, Thank you. Pam. We made it. Thank you. Yes, Ta-da. we made it. And uh, in your insights, you gave gave me a lot of things that I hadn't thought about. So I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking at a song to wrap this up, and I'm I I you know what? I really want to play Ginger Doss's song Ganesh is fresh because I feel like this is a Ganesh moment in our in it. our lives. Okay, so do it. So mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show, I played S. J. Tucker with uh, the Cheshire Cat song, We're All Mad Here, and I'm going to wrap things up with Ganesh is Fresh. Say that three <laughs> times really fast with Ginger Dosh. Ginger Dosh, Ganesh. <laughs> I'm just going to play the song. Have a great day. See you next time. <laughs> All right, y'all, does everybody know who Ganesh is? Yeah! Yes, baby. All right, this is kind of fun, so let's do it. Ganesh is fresh. Ganesh is so fresh, chilling on his throne, surrounded by incense, roots and gold, with a heap of sweet piled in his bowl. He guards the gate and protects the threshold. When you're blessed by Ganesh, you can travel on a sacred journey to an inner temple. He paves the way that leads to your soul, and he's known for removing all
this. He writes the pages while the stages change. Drop an ancient Vedic sign so we can comprehend all the many ways that we can transcend. Singing Jay-Z Ganesh, he's the youngest best friend. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.